Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown podcast. Uh, I hope you guys have been doing well lately. It's sort of, it's weird. I, I keep having these like week breaks, and the last week that we took a break, uh, it was actually the three-year anniversary. So the last episode was like a weird pseudo thing. But I take these like week breaks, but I still do like three uploads a month. But it like doesn't register as that. So. I, I don't know, but it, you know, it, things are going well. There's not really too many major updates with anything going on. There's a few new bonus stuff going up on the Patreon for the you know weekly stuff. There's a few series that are starting up now that I've gotten recorded, and yeah, things for the most part have been going well. I've been busy with work and everything, and trying to keep this <laughs> this train going. I hope things are good with you guys too. So for today's episode, we are actually discussing the Patreon poll winner from it was like end of October into November, and this was the winner. And um, today we're going to be talking about the California State University system. And I say system because if you're not familiar with uh, CSU, they have a sort of collection of colleges and universities underneath them that are in different locations across the state because it's you know it's a state school system and originally these were all from one school but then I looked into it and I was like oh well you know maybe we'll just do a few of them because there's 23 of them I believe not all of them have stories but a significant few did and I literally got through half the list and uh, I'm already at 11 pages for this script so it's it's a beefy one and we're going to be talking about I believe six or seven universities today and I might consider doing a part two if this goes well for the other half of the universities uh, and see what stories they have. So, before we get into anything with the specific universities, I'm going to be talking about California State University itself, the history and location, for you guys if you're unfamiliar, because there's a lot of urban legends and ghosts that are specific to the schools, but not the system itself. So, California State University, otherwise known as Cal State or CSU, we're going to be using Cal State a lot, because CSU is confusing, there's other schools that use that. This is a public university system based out of California. They have 23 campuses and eight off-campus centers, uh, enrolling almost, I'm pretty sure, like half a million people, uh, students, I should say. They have, like, a buttload of facilities and staff members across all these locations. It's a massive, massive school system. Cal State is also the largest four-year public university system here in the United States. Again, it's not a surprise based off of its numbers. And this, again, it's, it's just it's just crazy. It's, it's like a whole system itself. So the individual uh, California state colleges were brought together into this system by the Donahue Higher Education Act back in 1960. 
And a few years later, in 1972, the system became the California State Universities and Colleges, becoming the Cal State system 10 years later in 82. So the oldest of the campuses is uh, St. Joe's State University. I don't remember if we're going to be discussing that one or not. But that was founded in 1857, and it became the university's first institute of public, or I should say, uh, it became the state's, the state of California's first institute of public higher education at that time. Uh, The most recent campus in the Cal State system is Channel Islands, and that was opened in the fall of 2002 and began school enrollment in 2003. And Channel Islands is the reason why this story even began and why this topic was even ever considered. I'm saving it for last because it is so beefy, but let's just say that Channel Islands is pretty much what you'll first see if you search ghosts at, like, CSU campus. Because, again, there's specific campuses, but if you search the broad term, more than likely Channel Islands is going to be the one that you spot first. But, you know, due to the number of campuses with CSU, uh, these stories and reports are kind of broken up into specific campuses. So, again... We will be going into them one by one. I have them in generally in order, uh, alphabetical, not chronological in any way. And again, Channel Islands was taken from the top and moved to the very bottom. Because first up, we have Chico State. And uh, first, yeah, first off, Chico State, uh, we have California State University, Chico, otherwise known as Chico State, which is a public university in Chico, California. This was founded in 1887, and it is the second oldest campus within the California State University system. Now, for most of these universities, I'm going to really just get right into it. I'm not going to talk about the histories of each specific university. I'm just going to talk about the stories. So, rumor has it that the ghosts roam the halls of various buildings in Chico State campus, primarily focusing on the Lexall Auditorium. Lexall is reported to be the source of the most common sightings of a mysterious female spirit. And public affairs uh, editorial assistant Ernesto Rivera, he is from the Chico State uh, Today publication, the on-campus newspaper. He did some investigating into the matter, investigating, or interviewing, I should say, Darren uh, Goodsell, the marketing and publications uh, coordinator, as well as Dan Goodsell, who is the production coordinator. I'm not 100% sure if they're connection or not. And uh, they both work for the Chico Performance Center, which is an on-campus performance society. It's, it's theater, essentially. And both of them were not familiar with the rumors before coming to campus. However, having spent so much time in the auditorium themselves, they have a lot of weird experiences and stories of disembodied voices, weird noises that are going off and on when you should know that you're alone in the auditorium, sounds and people moving back and forth, and obviously spottings of a strange female that's just kind of in the auditorium, again, when you should be alone. 
The next little place on Chico's University, or uh, campus I should say, is uh, Iris Hall. And this is also believed to be very haunted. The rumor claims that if you rub the belly of the statue of the woman, um, there's a female statue on, the, on that location, during finals week, you will receive good luck. This is actually stated in an article from 2011 from the Chico Statements. In a student-created Iris statue garden is a monolith of a woman giving a little boy up to the heavens. A memorial to the artist Susan Burden's cousin, who disappeared as an adult. Inside the sculpture is one of his shirts, a bandana, and a love letter to his wife, or from his wife. This homage is a love for those lost, uh, and the monument is just meant to do that overall. However, it gives off a very eerie feeling and almost bizarre sensation if you go there. Now, this last one for Chico State isn't exactly a haunting, so to say, um, but there is a sort of strange rumor that goes along with the campus. Many believe that there are hidden cameras within the eyes of another set of statues on the campus, being the Three Sisters statues, and they are located in the George Peterson Rose Garden. The Three Sisters statues were created by a well-known sculptor uh, by the name of Deborah Masters. And according to the record, Chico State did in fact have webcams in the windows of the Marion Library that was pointing towards a bridge over the creek, which is kind of nearby all this stuff. And uh, that just kind of seems to be how the camera myth kind of kind of happened and it's bizarre that it ended up being interpreted as the three sisters statues having them hidden within their eyeballs but it's the urban legend rumor type stuff so it's not too much of a surprise that it kind of evolved over time now next up is a bit of a quickie compared to the first one we kind of talked about with chico state and a few others that are going to pop up soon but we have uh, csu east bay and uh, this, in particular, within the campus, has a pair of ghosts that is seen near the Robinson Hall building. And these spirits are spotted wandering around the hall itself, for some reason around the hour of 10 p.m. at night, most commonly. And this pair of spirits is a female and a male spirit, respectively, and they are said to not be very shy to onlookers, not entirely sure what that means i think it might just mean the fact that they can be spotted fairly often and the female spirit in particular is said to be wearing a little bo peep costume which is kind of weird but next up we have fresno and this is uh, csu fresno this is a campus with easily over 100 years of history about it and it joined the uh, california state university system in 1949 and within that history comes a lot of sort of strange ghostly stories so some of the upstairs practice rooms within the music building are rumored to be haunted the sensation of strong wind and sort of anomalous lighting can be experienced within those rooms they kind of attribute it to almost like lightning going on but you're inside which is odd 
Other people report hearing voices and whistling when you enter those particular rooms, even though you should be alone. Now, the next building is uh, McKee Fisk building. This also has its own sort of array of strange phenomena. In particular, Greg Lewis, who was a uh, communications and journalist, journalism professor at the university, said that one night, late into the night, he was showing a few people a plaque in memory of Roger Titterin, just outside of the Fisk building. And he was standing on the plaque and said, Hello, Roger. Just then, the automatic doors of the building behind them began opening and closing on their own. And it's iffy because, you know, they're automated doors, but it's a little bit odd how they just did it a few times on their own instead of just holding open like they should. But, you know, whatever. A few decades ago, Max Bernard Frank, a former political science professor from Fresno State, was actually, this is more true crime actually, uh, was arrested on August 1988 for the murder of Tracy Laurie Newt, and police discovered Frank's after he rented and returned a chainsaw that he used after the crimes. He had shot Newt and cut her apart. And the crime has kind of been embedded into the campus a little bit. Uh, but I don't believe there's any like real ghost stories associated with it. Or at least that I could find. If anyone has anything, let me know, I guess. Uh, there are a few true crimey type things here and there for certain campuses. But it's only if they are like pretty directly linked to the campus. They're just like minor things. I don't really talk about them. So our next university, this is another, uh, this is actually one of the beefier story ones. This is uh, Fillerton. So Fillerton campus is located in Orange County, California, and happens to be the largest of all the campuses uh, within the CSU system. And it sits at around 41,000, I believe, uh, enrolled uh, students. And with that large number comes a large amount of spooky stories. Although, this first one is actually not on campus. So, <laughs> we're starting off great. So, Phi Kappa, or Phi Kappa Tau, the fraternity house that's, again, off campus for uh, Fillerton, is otherwise known as the barn. That's what they call the house. I don't know why, they just do. It's a house, so I don't know why they're calling it a barn. It's located on the corner of State College and Yuba La Linda Boulevards. This is, again, off campus. And is said to have nightly visits from the spirit of a young girl by the name of Wendy R. Osborne. Now, Wendy was allegedly killed in a ravine next to where the barn is now. And Wendy R. Osborne uh, actually has a bridge in memory of her, a bridge named after her, uh, that remembers her life. And it is lined with Bible scriptures and is located between the barn, so the, the fraternity house, and the east side Christian church. So there's a church, then there's a bridge for a dead girl, and then a fraternity house, which is an odd combo. However, at night, the spirit of the young girl has been known to turn water taps on and off, flicker the lights within the fraternity, and open and close cabinets and doors 
pretty much throughout the entire house. These are just minor occurrences compared to experiences that fraternity members and alumni actually report. Uh, in particular, uh, Hans Holborn has reported his own experience with this. I believe the first time he had anything happen to him being on Christmas Eve in 2007. He is quoted as saying the following, I was in my room and for some weird reason I heard my name being called out and I heard the whistling and whispering sounds. I was the only one in the house as everyone else had gone home for the holiday. Uh, Hans then felt someone hit pretty much, it, it's weird, he says every side of his leg as if they like ran through his leg. So I'm assuming he was standing up at this time, but I don't know. He was in his room, so I was assuming he was lying down. I don't know. No more than two weeks later, though. Again, this is... First one was at Christmas, so this is... I'm assuming first week in January, once everyone's back home. Hans' fraternity brother, one of them, was sleeping in his room upstairs and woke up to the laughter of a little girl. And his bed began shaking violently as if someone was jumping up and down and pushing it, which is weird. Uh, Hans describes it as never seeing a grown man freak out that much. And this actually sort of weird experiences continued until he ended up convincing the other fraternity brothers to like pray at the barn. I guess it stopped at that point. I don't see too many stories after 2007, but again, if there's individual things out there, people just might not post them. It's now the digital age, so it's a little bit harder to find those stories. But next up for uh, Fillerton is a building on campus. Again, this the fraternity was off campus. It's own own little thing, but it was tied to the university. Uh, so if you are in McCarthy Hall... There's a bit of a rundown and creepy sensation to it. Most people would say that. Uh, you would be pretty much right if you thought that. So there is some sort of true criminess to it, and it kind of leads into that eerie feeling. On December of 1976, Stephen Peters, a physics professor at the university, was murdered by a female student in the basement next to the service elevator in McCarthy Hall. She had shot Peter once in the head and twice in the chest, and it was reported now that Peters actually haunts the service elevator in that building. The elevator will travel down to the basement on Sundays, and if someone just happened to be in the elevator when it decided to do this, uh, it would kind of hold the person here, even if the different floor was selected. So if you can imagine getting stuck in an elevator, brought down to the basement, and then the elevator decides to just stop operating, even if you you get back, get out, get back in, choose a different floor, it just stays in the basement. It's weird, and it seems like it's just a common occurrence, so I don't know what's happening. Another building that's sort of infamous on the university are the humani Humanities Building. And this is infamous for uh, a set of metal grates that are on its stairwells. It has sort of outdoor, indoor type stairwells uh, for the building, and this 
these metal grades that they put up, I believe it's particularly between the fourth and the eighth floor is from what I can remember. I don't have it in my notes. But this is the result of five suicides that were reported between 1977 and 1982. All of the victims had jumped to their deaths uh, between the fifth and the eighth floor, and they were all successful, unfortunately. And it now gives the Humanities Building a very odd and eerie sensation to it. Now, before even all that, because again, you know, we've had uh, a shooting, we had some major suicide stuff going on. The the year prior to that, in 1976, like, Fillerton has ghost stuff, but there's a lot of, like, tragedy stuff, too, which is straight not uncommon for universities but pairing it with ghost sightings it i've from what i've noticed is a little bit strange it's either one or the other but now fillerton has both essentially so again in 1976 there was a janitor by the name of edward carl alway and he had a mass shooting on the campus he shot nine people killing seven with a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle. This was located in the basement, again another basement shooting, of the Pollock Library South. Uh, for about five minutes, the shooting rampage was often referred to as like, uh, or sorry, I should say this five minutes, not the five minutes. This shooting only took for like five minutes long, and it is referred to as one of the first major school shootings uh, and the most violent day in Fillerton's history. So a little history lesson, I guess. It's a dark history one. But essentially why it happened was Alloway was convinced that his co-workers at the library were making porn videos with his wife or his ex-wife even. So I don't know why that was his excuse, but he snapped and freaked out and did that. It's just, it, it. he's dumb, he did something stupid, and now there's a history with it. But in relation to it, there are weird sensations that people get in the library. In particular, there was a student assistant who worked at the library during her time there, and she experienced weird paranormal experiences while working in the lower south wing which again is where the shootings happened she reported entering the restroom and the doors began slamming shut on their own she said that the automatic toilet uh or the paper towel dispenser my goodness toilet dispenser uh paper towel dispensers kept dispensing paper towels until the entire trash can was overflowing with it and they began falling onto the ground and all of this was just going on, going on, going on crazy. And she said that no one appeared, like, no one was in the bathroom with her. She was by herself. She was freaking out. And she left. This kept going on. And then her, like, superior, her manager or whatever it was like, yeah, that stuff happened here. Now weird stuff happens here. It's just kind of what happens. So uh, to wrap up the whole massacre thing there are actually seven trees that are planted uh on the university and there's a plaque in the quad that represents the seven people who lost their lives during the massacre alloway was actually judged as criminally insane 
and he was sentenced to a state mental institution uh, during his trial. And I believe he's still in custody at this time. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's still in custody, unless he died in the last few years. But I'm pretty sure he's still locked up, which is good, because he should be. Um, this is, Which is weird, because this happened like 50 years ago. You'd think it's... It feels more recent, but like 50 years is the long... It, it's crazy to think that, like, the 70s um, was almost 54 years ago. Late 70s, I should say. I know early 70s is. Um, it's just bizarre. So, last up for the California State Universities is the big one, the big boy, and that is the Channel Islands. This is by far the most stuff in relation to weird sensations, weird stories, tragedies, all that good stuff that I literally separated this into Channel Islands and then Channel Island Ghosts because there's a lot. And let's just get started. Uh, and again, we'll do another half of the state universities if this goes well. So the absolute best for last, we have the California State Channel Islands location. Again, this campus came into being in 2002, started in 2003, uh, and is the newest of the schools to join the California State University system. It's located in Futura County, California, and despite being the newest, it is by far the most populous with stories and rumors and urban legends and all that good stuff. So before Cal State Channel Islands opened, the campus was actually built to house the uh, Camarillo State Mental Hospital. So that's a good start. It was originally built as a co-partnership between the state of California and the Federal Public Works Administration, which had been founded by President uh, Roosevelt during the New Deal program. And this, all this took place back in the 30s. They broke ground in August 15th of 1933. And the Mental Institute opened three years later on October 1936. Now, although it started with like 400 patients when it opened, it quickly grew, um, well, quickly 20 years uh, it grew to about 7,000 patients come 1957. So it's a big, big uh, institution. So the asylum helped people who were across like a wide spectrum of disabilities and mental uh, illnesses, uh, particularly uh, schizophrenia, autism, uh, tuberculosis. There were a few like medical stuff going on. Uh, as well as drug and alcohol uh, abuse uh, victims. Not victims, uh, addicts, I should say. If you're curious, violent and sexually violent patients were actually not housed here, which is a little strange. I feel like a lot of these stories, they're kind of all lumped together, and then you get like tragic stories out of it. But they actually took all the violent people and put them into a different facility uh, over at the... Uh, Atacacero State Hospital. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but that's that's where all the violent people were held. Now, there were men, there were women, there were children wards. They were all separate. Again, it's very interesting that they actually 
have an okay-ish system. I'm not saying this was okay. That bad stuff still happened here. I'm just very surprised that they were still at least somewhat separated. And the entire area um, actually had a, or I should say the hospital grounds, had its own area that actually had the families of those who worked there, the staff, uh, could live. And it was actually located half a mile from the main facilities. So it's became its like own little campus before they even considered making it a school. Okay, so the bad stuff. Patients were rumored to have undergone electroshock therapy, as well as other abuse, such as immersion into tubs of hot water, followed by being wrapped in icy cold towels for shock treatment, essentially. Lobotomies were also supposedly occurring here, although I don't think there's any major confirmation there along with other rampant patient abuse and negligent death occurrences. Uh, Patients were often left alone in restraints in their rooms, or they were heavily drugged and left alone in completely isolated rooms. So you could overdose, you could have an accident, like they just kind of left you there. So again, it's not good stuff. It's a mental asylum in the the 70s and 60s. So what do you expect? So by the 1970s, though, the hospital came under so much criticism for the practices that um, came due to investigations that popped up and some past actions that they did that they were actually ordered to stop doing several of their procedures, mainly the, you know, more extreme ones. Patient numbers began to dwindle slowly over these years until finally, in 1997, on June 30th, this is 20, 30 years after this like investigation stuff, and about 60 years after the facilities opened, uh, the hospital closed down for good. Although at this time, the state kind of did flirt with the idea that they could turn this into a prison system... The neighbors, because again, this is still in a city, the neighbors were not okay with it, and they didn't really want it to be prison at all. So five years after this, again, 1997, uh, five years into 2002, it became uh, the plans to turn it into CSU Channel Islands. The 23rd and currently final, I could, you know, new stuff could pop up, Uh, campus in the California State University system. The first class, again, was offered in fall of 2003, although a lot of the campus is now used by the university, again, this campus in reference to the hospital campus. Several of the buildings on the campus, uh, or the school campus now, uh, do sit unoccupied, and they are unused. They are abandoned and kind of you know, in disarray to some degree. And that led to a lot of rumors, especially because you're out of college. So lo and behold, Channel Islands has a butt ton of ghost stories. And we're going to get into that right now. So again, this place was open for 60 years as a insane asylum, essentially, uh, before it became a university with uh, thousands of people attending it each year. The university, however, likes to keep things little hush-hush. They don't really talk about 
the past of the university. However, this does not stop the student population and other visitors to the campus telling a different story. Um, Officially, there are no ghosts there. Unofficially, there are. So ghostly children have been heard laughing. Uh, Items have been said to disappear from one location only to reappear in another room all over the campus. Poltergeist-like activities, such as having objects mysteriously be thrown at people, have occurred here. Doors have slammed shut, sometimes on people, and also mysteriously open on their own. Phantom mists that ignore wind and just keep moving on their own will have been seen moving around the campus all over the campus at nighttime. Residents have reported smelling odors that resemble that of a hospital when entering certain buildings on campus. The sounds of scratching on the wall in some of the buildings is also been heard. People have reported taking pictures of windows, the particular uh, abandoned buildings on the campus, and seeing, quote, faces staring back at them in the, again, abandoned and should-be-long-unoccupied rooms. And that was me literally just running through quickly all this weird stuff that's happening. So, this phenomenon is nothing recent. Legend states that back in November of 1962, so 30 years after the hospital started, the entire night staff was fired by the hospital. Their management believed that the employees were playing a trick on them by pretty much tossing beds, overturning them in the night, slamming doors, screwing with the tele- uh, TVs and elect- uh, electricals by tampering with like the lights and the other, like, what's it called? Circuit boards. And so they were just fed up with this. They wanted this to stop because it kept happening. And so they fired literally the entire night staff of this hospital system. And of course, this did not stop this weird phenomena because after they fired them and brought on new people, this kept happening. So them blaming the ex-patients or the um, ex-staff was not working. So eventually they ended up blaming the patients that were there for apparently breaking back into the hospital at night uh, or banding together if you were a current patient to just do this although i couldn't find too much information about the patient side of things but this this sort of shows that this sort of stuff's been going on for decades upon decades and it's just a weird location there are numerous phantoms and ghosts that have been seen across the campus uh, particularly around and inside of the bell tower which is kind of one of the central locations on the university campus. There is a ghost of a man who appears in the stalls of one of the women's bathrooms. So, already gross. Uh, You can see his legs only to disappear when you open the door. So, (laughs) imagine entering a women's bathroom, going into the bathroom, and seeing some dude standing in the closed stall. You open the door and he's just gone. So that's what this dude does. Um, There is a female spirit who still wanders around the bell tower, uh, asking people for directions to a, quote, chapel. She's not in particular about which one. She's just saying, where is the chapel? Can you direct me to the chapel? I need help finding it. And then when you go to respond to her, she disappears. This uh, seems to be an occurrence for a lot of the ghosts. 
In some of the abandoned buildings, students have reported running into a woman in hospital gowns who, and this is gross, I hate this, who silently screams at them before vanishing. So you're already kind of breaking into a haunted and abandoned hospital building. And you see this chick who's in a patient attire. Oh no, she's in a hospital again. Yeah, she's in a patient. Okay, never mind. Just standing there, she turns, faces you, and starts screaming, but no sound is coming out. Uh, and then she just disappears. And you're like, uh, I kind of want to go now. There is a ghostly janitor who haunts the school. It seems like in general, um, you can kind of see reports of him all over the campus. And he, in particular, has... Um, connections to sort of like alerting you that he's gonna pop up they say that the sounds of keys jingling is often an early sign that his spirit is around and could potentially materialize it's interesting the bus stop near the bell tower is also haunted by a random mysterious ghost and um it's just that's it (laughs) there's not a lot of info for that one And of course, with all the ghosts, there is no surprise, lo and behold, that there is a woman in white. So, this one's at least different. She is assumed to have been a nurse, and she continues to wander around the bell tower hallways, again before disappearing when you approach her. So, I hate the whole woman in white scenario. Every location seems to have one, Uh, but I'm at least you know, proud of uh, Channel Islands for not having the wife who kills herself before her husband can come home the next day for their wedding type shtick. It's a nurse. It's a nurse who's just in her whites. So it's interesting. Perhaps the most famous, however, of all the ghosts on the university campus is the jazz musician Charlie Bird Parker who actually stayed as a resident of the hospital for six months between 1946 and 1947. Parker is a, or was a, or had, I should say, uh, a big drug and alcohol problem. And in June of 1964, he entered the lobby of a Hollywood civic hotel, uh, completely naked, playing his saxophone. So he was sent back to his hotel room where he lit a cigarette, fell asleep, subsequently set his bed on fire, and was fine. So the judge in this case sentenced his, uh, him to go to this mental hospital uh, at Channel Islands. And upon his release, he recorded the famous song, Relaxin' in Camarillo. However, Charlie Parker might still be back at this campus. There are reports of seeing him roaming the halls of various buildings throughout the campus, and it is said that people can still hear him playing saxophone late into the night, pretty much, again, throughout the campus. You can just hear a saxophone playing at nighttime from your dorm, from the buildings. It's interesting. Now... We're kind of done for the ghost stuff for the most part, but there are a few small rumors and minor things that I kind of want to talk about for Channel Islands overall. Other minor rumors include the possibility that the library on campus was actually a former morgue. There is a slight deviation to that story in which the morgue is actually still there, but is located underneath the library. 
it's interesting. I feel like that's kind of also a trope at this point. Hollywood has also used the location for multiple uh, filming scenarios, and several members of crews that filmed shows and movies here have quit over the years due to strange occurrences that were happening while they were on set. I can't find too many particulars about that, but that seems to be a thing. I, it could easily be chalked up to just bad staffing or poor environment. I don't know. Interesting, too, there is a sort of unique little thing on the campus called a uh, called the Dairy Farm. And this was built during the hospital time in order to allow some of the patients to you know grow vegetables, have a sort of working environment. Uh, they used the animals as a sort of work slash, you know, patient therapy type thing. And this is now most commonly today seen as just a ruined barn and farm location. It is heavily vandalized, and there are some pretty neat photos that I will share for those. And it is generally considered unsafe to visit, but this does not stop people from going there. And uh, there seems to be some sort of ghostly activity tied to the dairy farm overall. Uh, whether this is just strange noises and sounds going on, uh, there seems to be some sort of creepy urban legend sort of feel associated to the location so a lot of people go there at night go there during the uh you know halloween season and just kind of go there to get spooked for the most part but it just it's a it's an overall creepy place for people again though just don't go because i'm pretty sure it's breaking and entering at that point so lastly the location or i should say the location of the campus overall is rumored to be the inspiration behind the song Hotel California. This same hotel that the infamous uh, Eagles song is uh, referencing to. Uh, however, the band itself supposedly has denied this. I'm not sure the particulars of this. Some of the rumor seems to be based off the lyrics of like, you can check in, but you can never leave. So kind of referencing a mental thing or death. It's very loose, these rumors, but I just thought it was kind of neat. Again, though, just to wrap up the whole uh, Channel Islands aspect of this, again, note that the university does not like to talk about the ghosts and the spirits that, for the most part, most people agree are there on campus. They actively discourage this amongst the student population. It, it's just not really something they want to be upfront about or have associated with their location in any way. Uh, there are some rumors that students have been put on suspension or expelled from the university due to uh, investigating and going to these haunted buildings on campus. But again, this might more so be tied to the idea that you're trespassing and you're breaking into buildings that you're not supposed to be in. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure you probably can talk about it. You just probably shouldn't break into buildings at night, uh, especially if they're unsafe because they've been abandoned for, what, like 30 years now, 40 years. Uh, and so it's just, it's not a good idea. And you don't want to get expelled. So just, it's a lost loss for everyone. But that's it. That's uh, that's all we have for the California State University system. Again, this is very 
much not all of the schools. We talked about, I think, like five or six of them. And I got through, God, probably 10 or 11 of the universities, like literally searching like university name, ghost, university name, urban legends, university name, haunted, like trying to find as much info as I could for each one. And there's just so much. Uh, And again, there are probably, you know, 10 or 11 other locations that are out there. If you guys are enjoying this one, we can definitely go over the other ones. If, you know, they have some um, significant amount of stories relating to them. At the very least, I'll make it like a Patreon thing for you guys to check out if you have the link there. Or something. We'll figure it out as we go through. But yeah, so that's all we have for CSU or Cal State. If you guys are attending one of those universities and have some stories of your own, I would definitely love to listen to them and check it out. I believe I had a few people mention them over on YouTube because I did originally do a video on the Channel Islands location in particular. It's nowhere near as in-depth as this one, but there were plenty of comments of people reporting their own experiences there. Uh, and that's actually going to be a Patreon thing I'm going to do is going over some of the comments because I-, I made these videos back in like 2015, 2016, and I don't do anything really with YouTube aside from re-upload these, epi- these podcast episodes. So there's like five, six, seven years of built-up comments that people just find over over time. Uh, that I could easily just like read through and make it make it its own little thing. So expect that in the future. I'm going to be doing that for this one. I think for the alien cats and like other things that have more comments associated with them. But that's all we have for today. I hope you guys did enjoy the uh, sort of deep dive into sort of another installment for our haunted university series overall. And again, this was a Patreon uh, poll winner. If you guys want to participate in other polls, you could do so by joining the Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash realmofunknown. We have a $1, $3, and $5 tier list where you guys can get bonus episodes, additional behind-the-scenes content, info and photos and recordings from investigations that I've been on, as well as participate in community stuff like this poll here. If you are interested in just kind of checking around the podcast, uh, we're pretty much on all social media. I keep saying I'm going to get on TikTok. We'll see. I don't know. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying is the the best way I can say it. But yes, it's Realm of Unknown everywhere, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I... I'm having a good time with this. I know I keep saying that all the time, but it really is a great time doing this podcast and being a part of this community with you guys we hit three years even though we only have like 65 episodes and that's on me or no we have like 70 something because we have fright month there was like 10 bonus episodes in there for all you but it's three years of doing this and it's just crazy to think about and i just want to say thank you to everyone because it really does mean a lot i hope to continue this for a very long time moving forwards with tons of new bonus stuff and tons of fun goodies just to have fun with as we talk about spooky things and gross things and <laughs> scary things and it's it's good to have a nice positive attitude for it 
So I hope you guys did enjoy, and I hope to see you guys next week for another fun topic. And remember, in the meantime, to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 